It's the responsibility of all of us to come here ready to worship God. The opening verse in our passage urges you who are believers to guard your steps when you prepare to meet in this place. You're to expect good things. You're to consider each act of worship as a sacrifice to God. And the centre point of your worship is the act of listening. If you were here last week, you listened to God's word. You heard how God is the very best support, father, all-round best friend that you can have. Now if, after listening to that message, you remain convinced that you are one of God's people, then today there is a word for you about worshipping God. The text I want to use is just that very first verse. Guard your steps when you come to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So, I intend to talk about what the house of God is first. What is meant by guarding our steps? And then, what it means to listen. So, what does the house of God mean? the house of God mean? <clears throat> well, it'll be useful to first think about what the house of God used to be. Now you'll remember, um, you remember um, Jacob a few minutes ago in the Old Testament. He was of course the father of those children who became the twelve tribes of Israel. One day, he had a dream. In his dream, God spoke to him. And it had a powerful effect on him. Listen to what he said in Genesis 28 and verse 17. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He was just in some field. But he believed God was there. So, he described the place as the house of God. Around 3,000 years ago now, God rescued a couple of million of Jacob's descendants from Egyptian slavery. Once they uh, left Egypt, these Hebrews were to make a long journey to the Promised Land. It was that fertile strip in the Middle East of Canaan. But they had to live in the wilderness. In the meantime, 
God gave them written laws to live by. He also gave them instructions about how to build a special marquee. This large tent would become a holy place because God would meet the people there. And it was called the tabernacle. It was designed to be mobile. So when God signaled for the people to move on, the tent and everything associated with it was packed up and it was carried. And when God indicated for them to stop, it had all been unpacked and built again. And this tabernacle was known as the house of God. Let's fast forward in time to when the Hebrews finally got to live in Canaan. One of their first kings was none other than the man who we think is the author of this book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon. The Lord gave consent to Solomon building a permanent structure to replace the tabernacle. It was to be a proper temple, a glorious focal point for the worship of God. He allowed them to call this beautiful uh, temple also the house of God. The Lord made it clear he doesn't really live in a house. Perhaps instead you might think of God as being a, a, um, a fiercely bright light somewhere in the realm of heaven. Well, the truth is, folks, he's everywhere. God is everywhere. And he certainly didn't want the people thinking that he could be contained in some earthly building that they have made. So we've thought about what the house of God has uh, been in the past. What about now then? Well, we move to the New Testament. We come to the Apostle Paul. He was in Greece and he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. On this occasion in Acts, he was uh, speaking to pagans. So they believed there were many gods and they often built temples for them. And listen to what Paul preaches. Acts 17 and verse 24, it's found in. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Paul understood what God meant all those years ago. He doesn't live in houses or even temples. When Paul wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, he said this. This is found in Ephesians 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him also you are being built into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. All the believers in this room today are the house of God. We are the house of God. This building is not the house of God. You might call it that out of habit, but this building is not the house of God. If I could snap my fingers and make this building disappear, and we'd be sitting here in the cold, on a patch of land and not a screen, we'd still be the house of God. So we have to remember when Ecclesiastes was written, uh, the house of God was a building. So how is that relevant to us? Well, the verse is all about worship. At those times in the week that we've assigned to worshipping together, we come here. So when you read that verse in Ecclesiastes, you should read it something like this. We go to the house of God whenever we meet together. Whenever, wherever we meet together. That's how you should think of it. If we decided to meet today in Croxted Park, that would be the location of this house of God. If we decided to meet down in McDonald's, that would be the location of the house of God. Now you'll never hear me say, you'll never hear me say, uh, oh it's Sunday, I'm going uh, I'm going to meet with the rest of the house of God today. I, I just say I'm going to church. But hopefully you know what I mean. Hopefully we all agree that we are the house of God because God lives in us now in a very powerful way. So it's about us meeting together wherever we are. Number two, then. What does guard our steps mean? What does it mean to guard our steps? So wherever we decide to meet, I'm glad it's here and not in the park, uh, the, the scriptures are telling us today to guard our steps when we go there. Well, we, we'd better do it then. But it would help if we knew what it meant. It sounded to me at first like we should be careful as we walk to church, except half of us don't walk to church. Anyway, well, I want to suggest it includes several things and they're all connected. They all concern having a right attitude to worship. So, it starts in your everyday life. You're to walk with God day by day. You're to perform each duty like you're doing it for God. You're somehow to glorify God in all that you do, even the most menial tasks. 
in your interactions with other people. You're to show Christ-likeness. Acts of kindness can be and should be Christ-like. And rebuke should be Christ-like. Remember, God isn't expecting you to spend your life with a grin on your face, pretending to everyone everything is okay. Sometimes we have difficulties and we have to tackle them. But even in the most difficult of our trials, we have a responsibility to remember who we serve. As an example, the next time that you're tempted, the next time you're about to raise your voice, just stop a second. Rethink what you're going to say. Rethink the spirit in which you were about to say it. And try again. Regarding the family, a good principle I learned years ago was um, to ask yourself at the start of each day, especially in a family sort of context, um, ask yourself this question at the beginning of the day, how can I serve my family today? How can I serve them? Children have a habit of looking to their siblings, I found, and trying to gauge how much they've done, just in case, God forbid, they should do more around the house than their sibling. Imagine the horror of it if a kid did too much work around the house. But you're not to do that. They're not to, you're not to look around and see, well, you know, they don't do as much as me. You're not to serve people in your house or in your family with an eye for, uh, with an expectation of praise or gratitude. You're doing it for God. But if you're one who's being ministered to, the one being saved by others, God would be very happy if you showed some gratitude to that person. Guard your steps means act as a witness and an ambassador for Jesus Christ in your day-to-day responsibilities. So that's your day-to-day life. Then there's what we call your devotional life. We can't be here with each other all day, every day. And believe it or not, there is nothing I would like better that's the truth and I expect you feel the same way about me Yeah, we'd love to be with each other fellowshipping every day but people have to go to work and go to college go and attend doctor's appointments and help their families and so on so at the moment we we have just uh, three meetings a week but what do we do when we're not here well we do acts of worship at home Each person, each home, will do it differently, of course. Most people read their Bibles. Some make notes. Some use a study Bible, which has notes in it to to help you uh, understand the uh, passage. And people will also pray, usually. 
pray alone or with family members. And I think those two things should be considered as the core, the essential aspects of worship at home. That's your starting point. You can do more. You can do more. You can meditate on the scriptures, which means uh, slowing down and thinking carefully and slowly about a phrase or a verse. And you won't appreciate the value of that until you do it. And, um, well, we've never done this in our house, but I do know families who sing at home. They sing hymns. My, my kids would look at me funny if I said, get the hymn book out, you know? But some people do that, and that's, that's good. So, guard your steps means do daily acts of worship at home to keep your eyes fixed on Christ until it's time to meet with the house of God here. That's your devotional life. There's also the day itself. There's the beginning of the day when you plan to meet with the saints. Now, after all the years I've been saved, I should be able to hold up my family's Sunday morning routine as a model for how, for how we should prepare to worship the Most High God. I describe it traditionally as a sort of low-level chaos. That's, that's more like it. So, you see, down the years, especially having a large family, Sunday mornings haven't been characterised by the family sitting round quietly together before we leave the house, helping each other prepare our hearts to join with the brethren approaching God. Instead, there's banging on a bathroom door. Are you nearly finished? There's furious rummaging through piles of washing for people looking for a matching pair of socks. There are accusations flying about car keys. Why can't you just leave them by the front door? There are people running around, turning the heating off, closing the doors. And then there's the move into the car. Some of them are in the car, there's always one upstairs, and then there's one man in the door whose job it is to shout to the one upstairs, are you nearly ready yet? We should have left by now. And then the car burns its way to church in a mostly legal way, and we get here, and then we stroll through those church doors, smiling as if we brought peace itself into this place. Well, folks, we'll try to do better, right? But in the meantime, I want to seriously encourage you to also join and try to make your heart <coughs> preparation better and arrive ready. So here, guard your steps means make sure your heart and your head or in an attitude of worship before you even arrive here. And then finally you end up you end up here. You're in a service of worship. Of all the people in this world, 
God has allowed you now to congregate to worship him. Of all the different paths your life could have taken, God has directed you here today to glorify him. It says in verse 2 of our reading that God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Folks, he is worthy to receive all the praise and the honour and the glory forever. And so it is that we proceed through this meeting today and every other meeting with absolute reverence for God. We pray together this morning. Your Amen was a signal to God that that prayer was also your prayer. And if any of our collective prayer it was good and proper to say, then it rose up. It rose up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it was, if you like, signed off by Christ as acceptable. And it was because of the merits of Christ that that prayer was then accepted into the Holy of Holies. It was accepted and heard by God himself. All that, all that took place just half an hour ago here. We've also sang together. Well, if you knew it, you sang. My voice is nearly gone. But we sang together. And we began by taking a portion of scripture, one of the Psalms, you'll remember, and singing that. And in this, we showed God that we value his word, that we value his Bible. Then we sang a hymn created by one of his children. And in that, we showed God we value the gift he gave to that person to express the majesty of God in that way. But taken together, these psalms and hymns, they glorify God and also they allow us through the words to teach doctrine to each other. The triune God, friends, and all the holy angels have been our audience today. Now, I doubt any of us always sings with our whole heart and our whole minds. We get distracted. But be assured of this, friends, that if any of our singing today has been from the heart, it will have brought joy to that heavenly audience. Guard your steps means keep focused during our times of worship. Always keep in mind what it says at the end of verse 7. God is the one you must fear. And that's a joyful thing. Here's my third question and answer. What does listening mean? What does listening mean? mean so you who are dutiful servants of Jesus Christ you manage your habits throughout the week 
you maintain communion with God. You prepare yourself to come here and worship him. And when you're here, you show him the reverence he deserves. We talked a little bit about different aspects of our worship. There are things I haven't mentioned. Uh, other acts of worship include breaking of bread, which we did last week, and also uh, Christian baptism, which we plan to do maybe in the months ahead. But in terms of what we normally do on a Sunday morning, I've not yet mentioned the most important part. More important than singing, more important than even praying, is listening. An act of deliberately hearing the things of God. Well, just a short while ago, I read to you a couple of sections from the Bible. And um, <clears throat> Jesus himself held those Old Testament uh, scriptures to be the word of God. The Bible was written by men, okay? The Bible was written by men, but God was the superintendent over the authors and he so governed them in their writing that we say the content of the book has been breathed out by God. So if that's the case, and I believe it is, then think what a privilege it's been to be able to listen to this truth which has come from God himself. It's a great privilege. Each week, the reading of God's word is always followed by a preached message. Now, we all know that a sermon, any sermon, it's not, it's not part of the Bible, is it? So, why is what you hear from the pulpit sometimes called the preaching of the Word, if it's not actually the Word, if it's not the Bible itself? What, what is it? Well, you could think of it in this way, perhaps. The more closely the preaching reflects God's truth, the more reasonable it is to call it the preaching of the Word. The Bible places a great emphasis on preaching. It's God's chosen method for communicating His truth. And it's because the Bible holds, um, it's because the Bible's held uh, in such high regard and because, um, because preaching is held also in high regard, then the Christian has a duty to find somewhere where those things take place. And then listen. Well, that sounds easy, doesn't it? Listen. Well, obstacles to hearing do exist, however. Some people get sleepy. Uh, I'm someone who can get off to sleep. 
I'm someone who can get off to sleep very quickly. And the problem there is it means I also nod off during sermons. It doesn't matter how good they are. It's not because the sermon is faulty or the delivery. It's just, it's a, it's a case. Um, and if you're like me, if you want to just goes like that then you have my sympathy but it's not good it is not good hopefully you can try things to try and fix it something else which interferes with our listening is our minds one you you may have a good reason for being distracted like you know some trouble within the family always remember this though God is more important than everything. Everything. If you can put the proper effort into preparing yourself for worship, it will give you a proper perspective. So in your prayer, cast all your cares on him, then come and listen. Some people, it says in the scriptures there, they don't listen because they think the activities they carry out for God are more important than listening. In our Sunday evening Bible study, when I I do it, we've been looking at people like Samuel and Saul. And one day, Saul committed a serious sin. He offered up a sacrifice to God which he had no right to do. And uh, he should have waited for Samuel to come along and do it. Well, Samuel rebuked him. He reminded Saul that listening to what God says and obeying him is better than making these sacrifices. Sacrifices which God himself gave. It's better to listen. But it's in the nature of people to be proud. They always prefer to do things they think God needs rather than listen to God. They'll take some good duty and they'll empty it of all its goodness. They'll mutate some aspect of godly activity and they'll make it into religious hypocrisy. The Bible is so full of examples of these things. It would, I would go off on a massive tangent if I started to quote them. But maybe it will be enough to remind you of those like Saul. Who carried out animal sacrifices by the hundreds of thousands. But their hearts were far from God. What about all those who were convinced that they were praying but God wasn't listening because their hearts were far from him? It's something to be aware of, brethren. If, if someone ever turns up here and sings the hymns and says Amen at the right time but they don't listen. They don't really listen when they're supposed to. Their worship is nothing but vanity. Um, 
Look at verse 1 again. It says in Ecclesiastes, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Friends, if they were to dedicate their entire lives to what they think is serving God, but they have no interest in the hearing of the word, and there's plenty of those people, if they have no interest in the hearing of the word of God read and preached from, all their actions are nothing but the sacrifices of a fool. Why do proud people like religious hypocrites find listening so difficult? It's because it amounts to submission to God. Submission. That hard. It requires for a man not to speak. It demands he recognises his opinions don't count when it comes to the word of God. He must become a pupil in the classroom of God. I need to make this important point here. I've shown you, I've shown you the Bible's emphasis on listening, and you, you listen to God when you read your Bibles at home. You listen to God when it's the Bible's read to you in this place of worship. And you listen to God when you listen to the preaching. Whenever that preaching is thoroughly based on the Bible. The word of God preached. However, listening is not an end in itself. Listening is not an end in itself. What do I mean? God isn't pleased with you merely listening. An outright God-hater could come in today and sit and listen. Do you think God would be pleased with the fact they just listened? Of course not. The point of listening is that it makes some change in you. It improves your knowledge of the doctrines of God. It corrects any faulty beliefs you might have. It reveals your sins to you and encourages repentance. It produces in you a higher view of God. And it prompts you to obey God. The Apostle James urges us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. So proper listening then will result in changes to how you think, how you act, how you even feel. The greatest thing a person can preach is, of course, the gospel. We preach Christ crucified. And in this preaching of the gospel, we communicate good news to the saved as well as the lost. To those who are already disciples of Christ, the gospel is a weekly refreshment because in it, 
we see the love of God expressed in the highest degree towards us. We see his great and precious promises, such as the everlasting removal of our sin and the hope of resurrection to eternal life. To those who are outside the kingdom of God, but looking for a way in, the gospel points them to Christ as Saviour. It carries a promise, this gospel, that if they repent and believe everything contained in this gospel message, they will find God, they will be forgiven, and they will become another beautiful stone in that ever-growing house of God. I'd like to finish off now with a final word to those who are tempted to treat these worship services lightly. If you ever find you're prepared to make yourself absent for some reason which isn't serious, maybe you don't understand what's going on here. Think of what you've done today, the things we spoke about. Think of the things you've done today as a set of worship sacrifices. Uh, you're at home, there's a meeting coming up in a few hours. Imagine those sacrifices of worship meant for God that day are something held in your hands. Your duty then is to take those sacrifices join with the people of God and together hand those sacrifices to God in your acts of worship. So friends, what exactly would cause you to withhold those sacrifices by staying at home? What reason would there be there might be a legitimate reason. I'm not here to give you a list of legitimate and non-legitimate reasons for staying away. That's between you and God. Just remember, each of us has to give an account to God. And we have to be confident that our reasons for not attending these meetings of worship will be acceptable to him. Can you go to him and square it with him? <coughs> God, your steps brethren each day maintain communication with God speaking to him in prayer and listening to him through his word be ready and eager to worship him don't let the temptations of Satan or the flesh stop you from bringing to God those sacrifices of worship and having made it here be ready to listen and through listening to let God change you more and more 
into the image of Christ Jesus the Lord. To him be all the glory. Amen.